So reading from Romans 16, starting at verse 21. Timothy, my fellow worker, sends his greetings to you, as do Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my relatives. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, sends you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works, and our brother Quartus, send you their greetings. Now, to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all nations might believe and obey him. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, Judy. Uh, just before I ask Bert to come and uh, open these, this passage to us, we're going to stand together and sing. We're going to sing Man of Sorrows.
please be seated. My brother Bert is going to come and share from the Word. So, thanks, Bert. Good morning to you all. Thanks, Jeff. Um, for those who don't know me, uh, my name is Bert. Um, I wonder if any of the boys and girls would know how I got to be called Bert. How did I get that name? Who would know? Yeah, how did I, how did I get that name? Who chose that name? Oh, it's true. My dad worked at Burnie. But that factory doesn't exist anymore at the Burnie Pulp and Paper Mill. My dad had a job there, that's true. But I got the name Bert because my mum and dad said, that's a good name, because my dad was called Bert. How about that? I had very original parents. <laughs> um... How do you get names? Well, all sorts of reasons. Um, hands up those who were and remember, or they should remember, but who was first child born in their family? So, one, two, three, about a third of everyone. They say firstborns are leaders because they're the first one in the family. Is that true? Is it? <laughs> okay, firstborns, secondborns. Yeah? What about kids? Any second child? Two? Any third child? One? You're a third. Two? Three? Four? Five? Good. Well, we'll stop there. So, today um, I'd like to think about that fact to start off with, birth position. Um, why would you name your kid number three? Why would you do that? Why would you name your kid number four? Well... I guess that was a custom in those days, in the days of the Romans. But it was especially true for those who were born as slaves because your lives kind of didn't matter. And if you were born free people, of course you were named after deities and gods and things like that and all sorts of important rulers and emperors maybe. But if you were born a slave you probably got the number three. And we meet a number three in the reading today. His name is Tertius, which is uh, Roman for three. And we meet a Quartus. It's Roman for fourth in the family. In other words, when you were born into a slave family, 
and largely that's how they named their kids. You belonged to the owners. Whoever owned the parents owned the kids. And that's how you got your number and your name. There's one slave that was taught to read and write. His name was Tertius. And guess what? He became a Christian. And Paul used him to read and to write the book of Romans. Isn't that amazing? A slave, his master thought, this guy's got ability. I'll teach him to read and write and he can be the slave in my store or whatever enterprise he was. And it's not common that slaves could read and write. But Tertius could. And he said one thing. He asked Paul for permission to write something in the book of Romans that Paul didn't say. And it was Tertius that said it. He says, greet, I greet you in the Lord. So Paul didn't write the whole of Romans. Did he? There's one, a few f- words here he didn't write. Tertius wrote those. And then as Jeff mentioned, there's Gaius. And he was a very hospitable character. The church met in his home. So this was the church at Corinth where the letter was written to go to Rome. And Gaius was a, a hospitable fellow. And there was Erastus. We, we don't know exactly what his job was, but probably the treasurer or, or maybe the general manager of the council or something like that. He had an important public job. And then there's number four, quarters. And we don't hear anything about him, but his, his title or what he's known as. He's known as the brother. I was just encouraged this morning when I walked in uh, at the, through the door and, I, and um, I was greeted, hey brother, wasn't that a nice greeting? To hear another believer say, I, I recognise you as a brother. So Tertius, the slave number three, greeted um, the church in Rome, he's never been there. He'll never get there, I suppose. A long way away. Um, probably to get there by land would be a thousand kilometers. By ship, much faster. But from Corinth to Rome, a long time. We don't expect that Tertius would ever have made that journey. But he recognized the Christians in Rome and he asked. Paul to include a sentence can I too add my greetings in the Lord Jesus and so did Paul write a greeting from number four quarters the brother the most translation says our brother in the Lord but it's actually the definite article. He's the brother. 
He's that, the real close. So the one thing about these people that we meet today is their, their Christian character, their relationship in Jesus. And we've met a whole bunch, and Jeff's talked about a whole bunch of other different kinds of names. So let me make that my first point. All kinds of people in the church, aren't there? And, and the church at Corinth was composed of many different people, free and slave. Fancy being the property of somebody. And just going through life with number four or number three as your name. But then it says this about everything. Verse 25. Now to him who is able to rescue you or to establish you by my gospel. The word able is the same word from which dynamite is come, comes. The Greek word that we say able means powered or ability or empowering. To him who is able to establish you. The one God who establishes you in the faith and we're number three and number four and Gaius and Erastus. All these people. He picks that one and that one and that one. And the free man and a public official and a slave. And one who we don't know what he did. So here's this church in Corinth being established, being built up. And how does it get built up? It gets built up by the power of God, by the dynamite of God. And we were reminded about that already. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit who changes us, who makes us receptive. The Holy Spirit enables us to believe and keep our eyes on Jesus. The Holy Spirit opens our heart to, to help us to see our sin, our need of a Saviour. And that's the power of the gospel. It's not your effort. It's not your position. And if you were number one in the family, you, we're told that you, you become more likely to be a leader because you're the first one to experience new things in that family situation. You're the first one to um, go to school. You're the first one in the family to walk and talk and so on. It's not your effort. We've got broken people here. Slaves were not well treated. But to him who is able, to him, the God of all might and power. I've been in touch with some a very humble pastor in um, the floodplains in southern Nepal. They're always in trouble. Um, and COVID has wreaked havoc there as well. 
And always there's trials. And the monsoons were fairly severe this year and flooding came as usual. On top of that, the spread of COVID. Um, there's probably, India and Nepal is probably the highest uh, ratio in the world where this uh, virus is spreading, the coronavirus. And there's no testing. And there's no places where you can get treatment. No care. And great fear. And people who get the virus get ostracized as well because they've got a bad karma. And Paul writes about the Corinthian church. He says, Him, to Him who is able to establish you. To Him. God's got the establishing power, doesn't He? So we need to keep that perspective. Maybe who we are, what God has done. God rescues all kinds of people and he rescues by his power. And he does that through the gospel. And that's what Paul explains. My gospel, my words which I've been preaching to you the revelation of the mystery. So the mystery he's talking about is the, the God who has revealed himself in the old covenant. And now it's all made clear. It's all made plain. It's Jesus for all to see. God himself came to do it. What a mysterious thing. Man continued the downhill slide. Always rebellion. God came with his power. God sent his son. God came and punished that son in our place. That's the gospel that Paul's been preaching. Well, this morning, I guess there's um, very little new. And what follows is very little new. But I guess it's always good to remember these things. Why? Well, we've seen that God has done these things to these people that are mentioned. And that's all we know. There's lots of people probably that Paul didn't mention from the church at Corinth. But then we translate that to our situation right here where we live in Alverston in your home in your place why well of course when you hear the gospel and the, the gospel power comes to your life and you come to receive Jesus it makes you happy it gives you joy and peace with God but is that what Paul talks about here so let's think about that. Why? And this why must be repeated at least 40 times in the New Testament. Why? I'm looking at 
Verse 26, the second part, and it's a so that. So that. Why? So that all nations, and the actual word again is ethnics. All the Gentiles, all the ethnics in the world might believe and obey the obedience of faith. So Paul wrote this to the Roman church. There was a church in Rome and he wrote a letter to them and you could say that Romans is the book that's got the most comprehensive explanation of the gospel, the most full and complete and thorough exposition of the gospel. Romans was the book that Martin Luther read when he came to see and understand that the righteous live by faith. It's not by works. And Romans, which, Paul, which describes carefully what Paul set out to write, comes to this grand conclusion, the second last sentence. So that. Okay, God's spoken to all these people and it's by his power that they're rescued. Why? So that you'll, ha- you'll live a good life. No. So that you'll be peaceful and joyful and happy and free of worries? No. So that the ethnics, it says, all nations might believe and obey. Wow. Um, How many people live in the world today? Less than seven and a half billion, but that's a lot. About 7.4 billion. Um, And I think it's going to reach 8 billion by 2050 or something like that. Um, So the population of the world is still going up. Paul said... It's got to reach all the nations. That they all might believe and obey. Well, let me think about Australia. Let let me think about Tasmania. Let me think about the northwest coast, the Bible Belt of Tasmania. Um, How many people in Alveston and the North Coast believe and obey him? I don't know the answer to that, but it's probably less than they used to be. And in Launceston, where I live, there's quite a few churches, lots of churches. Um, And I don't know, maybe 10%, that would be max, would attend church. Um, but 
for 200 years, Australia has kind of been built on Christian principles. And the name of Jesus is mentioned in Parliament when the Lord's Prayer is prayed. Lots of people don't believe it. But we have churches in every city of Australia. You could say that Australia has at least been reached. But there are many, many countries who are unreached. Many peoples who have never once even heard the name of Jesus. Do you know how many that is? So seven and a half billion. What percentage of the world has never once heard the name of Jesus because they don't know anyone? They don't understand anyone. There's no one who can understand Jesus who can tell them about Jesus. The answer is 40%. So 40% of the world, of the seven and a half billion, over two billion people have never heard about Jesus or don't know anyone who could possibly tell them about Jesus. The work we're involved with in um, the CRCA is the Bill people, a tribe in central western India which is shunned by society because they're tribals. A population of one tribe, 17 million alone, just one tribe. Um, maybe one percent or half of a percent of this tribe has heard about Jesus. 16 million have never once heard. So let me just say and ask you, does this verse apply today? I think you'd have to say yes, it applied in Paul's day. So that, this is the conclusion of Romans, so that all the nations might believe and obey him. So that people trust him. That tribals will trust him and materialists and people in Western democracies would trust him. But that we also not forget that 40% of the world and many of them live in Arabic countries where um, it's not even possible to go and preach about Jesus because of the Muslim uh, hold over the people but in many countries it is possible and there's two so that's in that last sentence Paul's written Romans so that we understand that the truth of the gospel would go to all the nations so that the only wise God to him be the glory through Jesus forever. That's the ultimate thing. That's your purpose and that's my purpose. That God be praised that's the ultimate so that. And that humbles me when I think about that and how I live my life. And I'd like to challenge you again 
and think about that today. Why are you here? Why am I here? Why is the word here? Why did Jesus come? And why even do we care about people of other nations all over the world? Why is it of concern that that two billion people have yet not heard about Jesus? This is 2,000 years after the event of the crucifixion. Still not. Still not. There's one wise God. Most of what I do, I think, is for myself. Most of what I think is about myself and my comfort, my security, uh, my, my happiness. But Paul finishes off with one word, and it says amen, of course, but it just means yes, yes. This is what it's all about. That all the nations, all the nations might believe and obey him. And that the only wise God would be glorified. It's not about you. It's not about me. So the purpose that the nations might hear about Jesus is so that we would give the glory to God. He uses us to proclaim his precious name. And the power and the glory of God is being shown. Let me lead you in prayer. Father God, all-wise God, all-knowing God, you know who we are. You know our name. You know our birth position. You know our status in society. You know everything about us. You know our failures. But most of all, in mercy you came so that you would know us eternally and receive us as children of the living God. And we thank you for that Tertius um, was in the Lord Jesus. And he cared about believers in Rome who he knew were about the Lord Jesus. We thank you for Brother Quartus and his... um, love for the saints and we thank you for what you've done for us and this morning again we want to just uh, glorify your name and inspire us to think about what you've done in our lives how the dynamite has come the ability the living power of God has come and invaded and found us received us and cleansed us and washed us in the precious blood of Jesus. Uh, we thank you for the, the work of the ministry to which every one of us have been called today. Help us to understand this perspective and that the nations might come to hear about Jesus. Uh, bless the uh, specific church planting ministry in central western India that we support. And continue to enable that work to bring glory to your name. Yes, Father, we ask that the wise, eternal God would be worshipped and adored 
in all that we do and say and think, but supremely because